This is Off the Break Podcast, presented by Silver Screen Insider. the break podcast it's our 100th podcast episode we made it we made it <laughs> with me i'm cody and with me is kyle and Hello. mystery guest we will get to later <laughs> oh we're not gonna do it right away not right away no, okay we're okay. gonna revel a little in our 100th podcast all right this is the post eric era <laughs> a, it's a sad era right now but it's sad and these it'll continue these on next well. five minutes we will remember him fondly <laughs> he's not dead by the way but no. he's just dead to us and gone <laughs> yeah screw that guy yeah now that he's out of here we can really talk about him oh yeah <laughs> no 100 episodes we got here quicker than we thought because we were doing two a week to start with which was a little much yeah i was scrolling through all the past episodes that we did and it took us quite a while to realize that the two episodes a week format isn't the best for us right uh i think it was like around this time last year when we finally were like ah let's just nix it let's just let's just do it uh once a week the once a week on the friday podcast yeah nope just heading into your weekend all you need to know Mm -hmm. heading into the new week technically friday is the beginning of our play weeks so when it comes to theater theaters running movies and the sort the end of a normal person's week and the beginning of the movie week Mm -hmm. so fridays are a good day yeah that was the great call yeah score for Uh, us that's worked out we figured (laughs) that out we've also got used to listening to ourselves talk Yeah, because I'm always one that hates like listening to my own voice, but now oh, it's less it's painful than usual. Oh, <laughs> listening to your own voice being recorded is just awful. You're like, yeah. really? That's how I sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we had some kinks, you know, just shyness, then talking over each other, and then all that stuff. Yeah. We're still working some of that out, but I think it's going good. I th- I think we're a great podcast. One hundred episodes <laughs> in, I think we're a great podcast too. Yeah. Yeah, so. and we just have a lot of storylines that just kept progressing as our podcast grew, right. like movie pass debacles, <sighs> subscriptions that are similar to movie yeah. pass as well have always been a key thing. Uh, we've always been like hating on Twitter. I yeah. noticed that we hate like initial Twitter reactions or we <laughs> hate Twitter <laughs> yeah. overblowing controversies, quote unquote. Right. Like there was just a lot of those that I was diving through in our past yep. episodes. A lot of Netflix bashing. Yes. A lot of Disney bashing sometimes. Disney bashing. <laughs> it's easy to bash the big guy on the playground. Mm-hmm. So make fun of him, not like his policies. And then love his content. It's just love hate relationship with Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Quit making such good movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, but moving forward with the podcast, yeah. we're hoping to really start changing some things with it, like adding video as well. We want to add video. Yes. We want to be, be seen and mm-hmm. heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to add a new member to the team mm-hmm. to replace the wayward Eric, who's lost out there in the wilderness. Is that when we're going to introduce them? Yeah. We're going to introduce them here soon. Mystery guest. I'm so excited. New team member. <laughs> Noob. <laughs> I wonder who it will be. Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Quiet mystery guest. We're not to you yet. <laughs> um, and yeah, just a uh, hundred episodes. I can't believe we're, we're yeah. here already. Yeah. Like I said, I was scrolling back right. to the beginning, saw episode one and I was like, wow, that feels long ago. Long ago. And somehow it just, time flew by. No, I hope that, you know, in the next 100 episodes, we tackle more in-depth industry stuff, but also mm-hmm. talk more about 
what theaters can do to enhance their experiences, like more real real world solutions yeah. and and stuff. We I think we could be a good source for that. And I, I definitely wanna see us focus on that a little bit more. Always about the movies though. Yeah. Always about content and I haven't been very good about it, but I want to see more movies <laughs> and maybe even do reviews this year. That's my goal. But I have yet, it's 2020 and I have yet to see a movie in the theater. I think you would like Sonic at least. I really want to take the little boys to Sonic. Yeah. Uh, I really don't care about Call of the Wild. I think Onward will probably be my first. Mm-hmm. If I don't make it to Sonic, I just have had a lot of things going on in my spare time <laughs> a lot of house building <laughs> which stuff. i know a lot about <laughs> yeah so busy that that movies have kind of taken a back seat but i'm hopefully that stuff is wrapping up soon and yeah we'll be able to get back at the movie going yeah that's always that's always a good thing <laughs> um anything else you want to see that you want to work on in the next 100 episodes uh kind focus of on? kind of what you said i want to be able to tackle more industry related stuff when it comes to uh, the process that theaters have to go through because uh-huh. that's what our site is all about. And that's um, also right. what we are wanting to do with the podcast initially and what we want to do moving forward. We got really into fandom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Cause I, and that grew with the podcast too. Right. After a while we were like, eh, we don't need it to be about fandom because we've always wanted to stride for really wor- worrying about the industry. Yeah. more So, yeah. Which I different. think is a better direction. It makes us more unique. I think so too. Yeah. Well, pat ourselves on the back. Yep. Okay, not a lot of back patting. And then now, since Eric has left us, we have to get another leg on our tripod. Yeah, well, yeah. And we, we talked about bringing in um, another member in the office, Ken. Mm-hmm. And he is going to join us today for our discussion. So here is Ken. So here is Ken, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for the big intro. Hello, all of our millions and millions of podcast listeners. Yeah. Millions. <laughs> millions. <laughs> well, I would like Which to share. Something else we'll work on. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to share my favorite part of your first 100 episodes. Oh, and yeah. that's where uh, Cody decided to tell uh, on the podcast that uh, Santa Claus wasn't real and that <laughs> gave away all of her children's gifts for Christmas. <laughs> So that was my favorite part of the first yeah. 100 episodes. I'm sure that went over swimmingly. Uh, we did listen to it in the car. And luckily, the kids were not paying attention at that time because I forgot that I talked about what we got them. It was Legos, by the way. I think we also made fun of you for that, too. Didn't we say, like, yeah. you better hope the kids don't listen? You're oh, like, don't worry. They don't never worry. do. And they were at that point. Oh, that was bad. That That's was in the amazing. car. Um. Yeah, so you're an avid listener, um, and very avid. I come from the uh, film buying world as well, so I have some insight into that. But I'm also a huge movie fan, and bring in all of my uh, expertise and uh, knowledge about uh, terrible—I mean, great—action movies (laughs) of the late '80s and early '90s. The so bad it's so good type. So good, it's so good. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> my my mistake. That was poor wording. <laughs> that I'm here for hot takes and cool looks. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we Which need. You'll see in the video when we add it in a few months. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, we're excited to have Ken. It'll be definitely a different feel um, than Eric was. And we t- talked about that a little last podcast. You'll never be Eric. You'll never be Eric. <laughs> That's okay. We decided you're taller, so 
we That's decided. Right. <laughs> it's fact, but we decided. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Taller and blonder. That's where we're going with. <laughs> well, um, so we wanted to, we didn't have a lot to discuss. This was a short week with the holiday weekend. Sonic did awesome. We're super excited about that. Um, I thought it was interesting how they're saying it's the most successful video game adaptation. Uh, I think in terms of opening weekend right. numbers. Yeah. But I don't know how far it'll go beyond that. I was but. trying to think of another successful video game movie. Um, Detective Pikachu was great. It did, yeah. But it only did a $50 million opening. This was closer right. to 70 I think it definitely benefited from having the ho- long holiday weekend. Yeah, so that was a part of it. That was a big part of, I think, its additional success because mm-hmm. um, the the three day was actually higher because Sunday um, with the Monday holiday had a big boost in numbers. So yeah, that was just really good timing and everybody was really ready for um, a kid's film. I think as should well. be able to do well next weekend too. Yeah. They're or saying, this weekend. It, they're saying it's going to do better than call of the wild. So I could see that still stay number one, two weeks in a row, which is great for Paramount. They yeah. needed that. Yeah. Good thing they changed that design. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it probably would not have been those numbers. No, and Maybe that could not. be the biggest deciding factor that they had that yeah. slow burn of promotion that we're changing this, we're putting all this money into this, and the redesign cost has more than paid for itself because yeah. Paramount does these kids' movies that don't pay off or have a really slow build, and this was one that paid for itself that first weekend. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, that was that was good. and um. Yeah, because I don't know about Call of the Wild. I'm a little hesitant. I just don't like the digital dog. The, oh, the, it's awful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so did, weird. Why did it go there? But and I feel like Call of the Wild used to be a book that kids read in school. I don't know if they still do. So I feel like it it really works for older audiences. It's an older audience film, not a young kids film. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that families will see this as one they could show their kids to and it would be yeah. fine, but... It still won't do that well because Sonic is also that. It's also family friendly and it's doing better, getting better buzz. And I think it's more of like what modern art audiences think are family films versus I feel like Call of the Wild is a is definitely a throwback. Like this used to be family product, but Mm -hmm. this is really hitting older generations. Yeah, this is definitely one of those Fox holdover titles that they're not sure what to deal with, not sure how to promote. You can't put it out during uh, NBA games or spring training <laughs> baseball. Yeah. And you can't promote it over other family films that are more fun and exciting and have a real uh, appeal right, to mass they, audiences. Disney has Onward in two weeks with just Pixar and much more modern audience friendly. And and I think where they're really more pushing the marketing towards oh, definitely. right now. Like I see way more Onward mm-hmm. um, things on social media than I do Call of the Wild. And then Brahms the boy too. That's not going to oh. do anything. That's <laughs> Other than creep me out by watching yeah. the trailers. My skin is still crawling. Oh, anything with uncovering. demonic children or dolls I don't or like. Katie Holmes. Ooh. <laughs> or Katie Holmes. Oh, Katie Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that, girl, um. that girl's going to be a star once they teach her to talk out of the front of her mouth. <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever happen. <laughs> well, I have wondered this. Like, is she a good actress? Like, do people think of Katie Holmes and think she's a good actress? Like, oh, 
oh i want to see it because yeah. she's in it cause she's so good like what she can do no wrong like is there one of those or do they still look at her and be like she was in dawson's creek <laughs> or does or like ken she talks out the side of her mouth <laughs> it doesn't matter where the voice comes out of when she stops talking it's like oh she's so cute she's <laughs> just so cute we got to put her on the poster because she can't talk on the poster true yeah you don't see that happening there (laughs) i just yeah i wonder when i think of katie holmes i think dawson's creek i think her weird marriage to tom cruise but i do not think yeah prolific actress is not something that comes to mind yeah exactly the secret jamie fox relationship oh yeah that's what i think about that one's good too and then that one is pretty awesome then i play gold digger (laughs) with Kanye west in the background while i'm thinking about it Because all those things connect together perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) So not a lot this weekend, um, but moving forward, we we thought we would take our 100th episode and kind of dive into how we see movie going in the year of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, Five things we're kind of excited for and five things we worry about. So I thought we'd get started with that. Um, Number one, let's go over the positive stuff. So Okay. So this, SSI has compiled five reasons why we think 2020 will be great for theaters. Reason number one, I think, is luxury experiences and upcharges. You know, we're seeing a proliferation of luxury reclining seating, dine-in experiences, beer and wine and alcohol, and reserve seating, all of those things that kind kind of up the experience at the theater and i think that's just all helping theaters this year i mean it's driving people back into them it's giving whatever plays in the theater a a event like experience a night out like experience and also on a lot of these things theaters can upcharge for them so you can upcharge for luxury seats you can upcharge for reserve seating online ticketing and those upcharges go to the theater. They do not go to the studio. Yeah. And so that's just a little bit more money in the theater's pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's I, We've mentioned this quite a bit last year in some of the episodes that people like making an event out of going out, but at the same time still right. want to be at the feeling like they're at the comfort of their own home. Yeah. So definitely when it comes to theaters going the extra miles to give that luxury experience that it feels like you're at your home but it still is an event at the same time so that it it does make a lot of sense to do that and i think we saw at the end of 2019 more theaters converting and i think that we're going to see more of that investment this year and more return on that investment yeah yeah the strong economy helps and you're competing only specifically now not with the theater across town but with netflix and chill (laughs) <laughs> with someone's couch and being at home and you've got to create this outward experience that's better than anything they can create at home, which yeah. we're seeing in a lot of our new clients and new theaters that are opening. Yeah. Well, I mean, the theaters are definitely stepping up and I think this year you'll see more of that. And I think theaters will see a return on that investment. I mean, you have to invest in your, in your theater and these are, I think good good investments to make. They're expensive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say luxury reclining seats aren't a huge investment, but you don't lose anything. You don't lose traffic. You don't lose your per capita numbers. People spend more at the concession stands when you put the seats in for a number of reasons, but mostly you're you've increased the experience and people want to go for that. And when they do, they're just a little bit more liberal with the pocket money and. And, th- and that's good. And that's what we want to see. Yeah. Po- pocket money. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> a little walking around money. 
Sorry. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> um, number two on this list was we're seeing less major huge tent poles and more mid-range product. So as we look at the spring and the summer into the fall, um, you know, we don't have an Avengers this year and we don't have these big like end of the era tent poles, but I kind of think that's a good thing. Um, I don't know if the theaters extremely benefit from having one huge movie that everybody waits and goes and sees rather than having consistently, you know, product through multiple weeks. I mean, if you're dead the three weeks leading up to Avengers and then you're awesome and you're sold out, but then you're dead again, I don't know if that's easier for theaters to to be able to um, budget and bankroll and do all that. So I think this year we see, we're we seeing a lot more mid-range stuff. We're seeing not poor performing, but we're just seeing that not huge stellar event pull, which I think is also great too because you don't have the p- event pull policies that go mm-hmm. into it. You don't have to hold so many multiple weeks or pay such high terms that this stuff is going, I think going to be a little bit better for theaters all around. Yeah. It's not a matter that there aren't any blockbuster type movies. It's just that there's more to choose from. Like there isn't just the one that you have to stay with for a couple of weeks or a month or two. It's just uh, rather you get more of the blockbusters to choose from. So that way there's at least, um, and they're spread out. um, It's spread out. There's an equal amount of people going to each one of them. Hopefully we'll, we'll see how that goes down the road, but as for right now, it just looks like it could shape out that way and this year. I don't year. feel like there's one company that's set up at this point to dominate everything else. Like Disney's always going to be probably the number one just because of the volume of the market yeah. share that they have at this point. But I don't see them being so dominant like they were last year with having an Avengers and mm-hmm. a Star Wars and a Frozen and all these things. Yeah. That- no, there's a real chance this year that Paramount could be twice the market share they were last year with Quiet Place and right. Top Gun coming out after Sonic. After Sonic that's, having that's overperformed. 10, 10 to 12 weeks they could mm-hmm. dominate over the year, which yeah. is which is a big deal for them. That is a big deal. And it's good for everybody cuz, you know, as more you play more companies, terms get a little bit better. You'll get a little bit more competitive. You maybe take home a little bit more out of the box, which is always good for theaters. Yeah, definitely. Um this year as well, because we don't have these huge, huge, huge temples, we're seeing a lot more family product. I mean, there are so many more animated kids movies this year than I've noticed in previous years. And in for theaters, especially little guys, that family movies are bread and butter for them. That people bring kids, they buy concessions. It's just those movies are the best. Yeah, and there's like two musicals this year without Hugh Jackman or Nicole Kidman. That's a big deal. (laughs) Very rarely do we have musicals around that are set in place where they can actually do some business. Yeah. No, and I mean, we've got a couple Disney films. We've got Onward in the spring, Mulan. Sonic just happened and it's booming. Sonic just happened. They've got, and Disney has Soul later in the summer. And then Universal has Trolls, which will be great. And Minions, Rides of Gru, Paramount, I think had, did they have something else? I think uh, they had SpongeBob. Sonic and SpongeBob. And then yeah. Warner's has It's going to have Scooby-Doo. Yeah. yeah. They had another anime movie, I thought, too. I can't think of it now. Right. But, I, but they're spaced out really well to where they are. once this uh, anime movie starts dying down, you get a new one. Once this one dies down, mm-hmm. you get a new one. And so. just, you know, I feel like a summer with a lot of kids stuff 
is just an overall better summer for theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're not always huge, huge domestically in the box office, big events, but they just usually have legs. The terms are usually a little bit better. And because they have legs and and they consistently perform, it's just so good for matinees, for times to bring the kids in and you know your concession stand prices and um, products just sell so much better yeah this definitely could be a better year for anime movies than it was last year when there was like maybe one or two big disney anime movies and then the rest just fell off the wayside yeah definitely so i think that that's exciting um for me as i'm booking those um to keep that in mind to and try as to a always... parent too oh yeah. yeah i'm so looking forward to trolls. <laughs> and my kids right <laughs> i you know, I don't know how many times i've watched troll <laughs> <laughs> so i'm looking forward to that one the rise of Gru. i always said the first minion movie should have been about the minions and when Gru was a child and so i'm g- glad i'm getting that movie now well there you go yes mischievous children that won't give your kids any ideas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think another thing this year has going for movies, at least I hope, is that, you know, we always say movies offer an escape. And this year with, I don't know about the listeners, but I'm always, I'm already tired of hearing about election stuff and, yeah. and all the divisiveness in our country and all the political stuff. I just feel like maybe all of that will turn people into entertainment, you know, just turn them away from the tv news and get them back in the theaters for just that escapism because i i don't know it's already february and i feel like i need it (laughs) brought to you by universal pictures the hunt march 13th (laughs) not all films are going to be that escapism but with the with we just talked about all those family titles and a few of the uh, big temples nostalgic feels you know top gun and and Wonder Woman and Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Scooby's a a card carrying libertarian. You didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sandwiches for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Take that as you will, people. <laughs> no. So, um, hopefully, you know, we'll see a bump in movie going just for that escapism yeah. aspect. Which you can make the argument that can happen every year because there's always something going on. But ugh, this year. Just, just because it's going to be so stretched out more in a run up to an election, it's yeah. just just going to be so much worse. So. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing on our um, five reasons why we're excited about 2020 in theaters is um, we've noticed just from calls into our office uh, that there are more um, new theaters popping up every day, more interest in theaters. And just more investment in the theatrical model. Um, you know, people still really like theaters. They still, they kind of want to be connected to that entertainment industry part. And so we get quite a few phone calls about um, new or converting theaters. And it seems like even though some theaters may close down, there seems to be enough people waiting in the wings to prop it back up and put some money investment into it and, and um, make sure it still goes. So until we start seeing a decline in that, I'm very confident um, that we're seeing, you know, some good things coming from the investment side. It also seemed like there's become a younger generation that's also trying to go into the business as well, like take over maybe an old theater that got shut down for a while or taking over the mantle for someone else who passed it on to them. But at least they seem like they have interest in trying to revive it. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of that. I think... 
Um, there's definitely a transition going between older operators and newer one, younger ones. And, um, and so you'll always see some of that transition. But I think what's kind of exciting now is that because of technology and social media, um, I think the newer operators are becoming a little bit more savvy on trying to pull people in. And so there is some opportunity for growth there when, if you can pick up, pick up a theater and then work on building its audience. Yeah. They're also the ones that are probably investing in the luxury seating and the fine dining. Yeah. Kind of understand the, the, the those trends. Yeah. 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 And all of these theaters that have shut down or exist in these smaller towns are on main street. Nobody built a theater off main street in any one of these towns. Right. So you drive past it and it's dilapidated or it sits there in the city. People in the city see it every day. So the community has a real reason to turn things around and really put a, yeah. a jewel in the middle of their city, something that they had been seeing for 50 years and now is just an old marquee. We are definitely, definitely seeing so much more community involvement. Um, communities rallying to save theaters. I think yeah. when you l- think about little towns or just any, you know, any size, that there are very few cultural things that the that can bring a community together and be an event space and theaters are still top of that list yeah 70 percent of the single screens that we've had inquire about what it takes to run a movie theater have been a nonprofit situation where the city is rallying around the building and the space and the history to to revitalize it to make it another strong part of the community right yeah, I think this is just an evolution in, in the industry is, you know, who, not only behaviors around movie going, but like who owns the theater? What what is what's the purpose of the theater? What's the purpose of going that all? I think there's a lot of support for that to see that continue on. I yeah, think people are pretty heartbroken when they see the movie theater go. There's and there's just nowhere else to congregate except a bar or the church and you want something besides those two options usually. Yeah, definitely. And a family gathering place. There's, we live in the great white North, so we need a place to go. That's inside. inside (laughs) In the winter. A little warm. (laughs) Well, and and like anywhere it's in the South, you need some, some place to go that's air conditioned to get away from the heat. Where it's hot. Where it's hot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we're optimistic about this year. We think there's some good things coming. We're not too worried about the product slate. I think there's some good stuff coming down the pipeline and and um, some good investments being made in our industry this year. But on dun, dun, <laughs> on the other side of that, there are some er- areas that we could see could change in our industry that we'd like to see change that we that we think could be. A benefit to everybody involved if there was some shakeup. Um, one of them is the, which has been talked about a lot, but the overabundance of sequels, remakes, and spinoffs. Everybody wants original content, and I think when we see more original things, they they tend to do a little bit, a little bit better. But um, Kyle and I counted just major releases this year, and there's something like twenty sequels, <laughs> and that's not including. Like sequel remakes or yeah, sequel or uh, spinoffs. Reboots or... and spinoffs. Because and... we have specific data that makes sure to differentiate between <laughs> all those. And, and... I heard them talking like, is this it? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't know. Specific we're... data. Yeah. Computers, Ken. Ken. <laughs> but I mean, we looked at it and 
I I get, you know, having that recognition for the built-in marketing. I get not straying too much outside, but I think sequelitis is a really big deal. And, and I think um, just because a character busts out and does really great in one film doesn't mean that you should make a whole spinoff for just that character, as I think we kind of saw with the Harley Quinn movie. It's doing okay, but it's not performing the way that Warner's wished or invested in. And it didn't really work for some of the theaters that we booked for. So um, that... <laughs> seeing more and more of those is a little troublesome because I don't feel like they they are it's diminishing returns with them yeah I mean take a look at last year The Secret Life of Pets 2 didn't do well Men in Black right. the remake was awful uh, Terminator Dark yeah. Fade I mean it was fine but you know it, it didn't make that money people no. didn't care anymore I feel like we're scraping the barrel here on yeah. some of these remakes and reboots and all of that and and I and there's definitely enough of those. Even all that animated children's stuff we talked about. Rise of Gru is a sequel to the Minions movie. Trolls is a sequel to the first one. Um, so there, there's still a lot of that happening. And I just think that theaters have to lower expectations on the returns on these. Cause just because the first Trolls was a great movie doesn't mean this one's going to work. Although I think it will because I think it looks <laughs> fantastic. But we just... You almost got to plan for that diminishing yeah. return. I mean, you could plan out uh, this year better just because everything is so spread out that everything right. does have a chance. But just because it's a sequel or has a recognizable name, it's not necessarily going to mean that it's going to do you the business that you're hoping for. Right. Now, I think like SpongeBob should do okay because we haven't had a SpongeBob movie in a while. And Scooby-Doo should be fine because we haven't had that. And that looks like it's like fit for modern audiences. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about those ones. Um, you know, Trolls looks great. Minions looks okay. But I, I can see, you know, like, did we need a Peter Rabbit sequel, Sony? Yeah. I mean, did we need that one? <laughs> you got to strike while the James Corden iron is hot. I guess. Cats was amazing. And you got to just keep it going. His the Emoji out. movie was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. His coming out at the Academy Awards in a cat suit was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was Rebel Wilson. Do you think they brought those from home or? Maybe. Okay. That was his like. Um, if they didn't burn that it. Was, that was his rehearsal suit. He's like, oh, I'll just dust this off. I like for the, the joke. Yeah. For this, for this one joke. Um, Another issue that we kind of see is obviously the growing competition from streaming. I don't know if this will deter take away from theaters. I think what I, we, we've kind of always said was that it may take away good product that theaters need that mid range product, but that might not be the case. I don't know. We'll have to see how this year plays out. Um, but we saw that um, report that said that, Things stream better, films stream better when they've been shown um, shown theatrically. So that maybe is a positive. Maybe we aren't going to see the, the um, competition and the product that we thought we were going to have before. Maybe um, streaming will just help increase theatrical because it'll put more emphasis on the experience of theatrical. Yeah, and this year there's going to be a major boom in all things streaming services. That's possible... People are just so overwhelmed or just do yeah. not want to spend all those dollars that they'll just want to prefer to maybe spending all those dollars at the theater more often. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's easier to go to the theater and you have, you know, maybe five, six options 
<laughs> instead of five or six hundred options between yeah. all your streaming stuff. No, the discussion was in the 80s that home video was going to kill the movie theater industry. Yeah. <laughs> and then DVDs and then online streaming and then Netflix streaming and the theater business always has survived these in the past yeah. just because of that experience, being able to get out of your house, enjoy a film with an audience. But it, they survived it, but not without you know changes to their model. The home theater DVD cut down the theatrical release schedule. You know, you didn't get, you, you got more releases in a shorter time than you did before. They didn't have the legs. You didn't, you no longer saw films staying in the theater like 18, 20 weeks or longer. You just didn't get that anymore. And I think that that's cut that down. And I, and online streaming now, I think is just cutting that down further. Yeah, there's always room. Eventually, Tesla will make a car that changes its own oil. But until we get to that point, there's going to be somebody making money off of doing that. Yeah. Um, so that kind of brings us into our next one is this behavior change that we see with movie going. That, you know, it, movies aren't the only option for your media dollars anymore. We've talked a lot about video games, streaming, um, and then, uh, you know, and other stuff. So if movies aren't the only option in town and then the younger generation is so stricken with debt and they're not used to going to movies as much and they're used to being on tablets and streaming, how is that going to affect the theaters moving forward? And and that's like probably more down the line thing that probably won't be come up so much in 2020. But it's still something that, you know, how do you encourage the behavior of movie going when there's all these factors changing how younger people today consume media? Yeah. Again, it could go back to the way theaters are run, to the way they look. That could help persuade them. But again, it is kind of something to keep in mind that uh, with the way things are priced and how um, debt has become a major issue nowadays, it. That could also be kind of right. costly. Can you afford $15 tickets even on the luxury side? Or are we going to have to have discussions about variable pricing and mm-hmm. different pricing models and or just overall lowering ticket prices to encourage more movie-going habits? I mean, that that is a huge complex issue of, of that. But I... I'd, don't think we should dismiss the idea that maybe consumers today just don't have the extra media income as well as the economy is doing now yeah to just spend and so what how are you going to give them value and encourage what little that they have to spend on yeah i think also opening up the last three rows of any theater to active cell phone use (laughs) <laughs> nothing that upsets me more to my core than someone opening a cell phone or turning it on in front of me oh, I am but, right the, there with but the last three rows let them go crazy they're not making noise let them tweet and live stream and instagram all they want as long as it's behind me i don't care that's right. actually a very good idea <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> that just you just blew my mind like i'm not even kidding copyright ken enterprises <laughs> all this time i was thinking about the people in front of me yeah. And I don't care about the people behind me. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, neither Welcome do to the podcast, phone. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> neither do cell phone users, obviously. But shut off your phones. Yeah, shut off your phones, especially if you're in the first like half of the auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> 
but what if the Biebs tweets something I have to see now? I gots oh to know. Those you, I look at those phones and they're just scrolling like Facebook or something. Like they're not even, or they're texting. I've seen people Snapchat. I'm like, what are you snapping? Yeah, there's you're in a dark room. There's a girl, a flash on, will there's a girl on Instagram what? doing squats right now, and I need to see it. <laughs> I need to see it. Well. You need to go see in the back three rows, according to Ken. All right. Well, uh, that that made it gross. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want that now. (laughs) Um, Well, moving on from that, there's also, I think, a big challenge with theaters. And because of this difference in behavior of, um, you know, getting people to the theater is also the um, issue of diminishing returns and the value of um, of a film beyond its initial release. So what we're seeing with like streaming is is that it's shortened the um, the value of a film on on its release. I think so. You know, four, five, six weeks out, is anybody really interested in seeing that movie? Is is three or four weeks out are people interested in seeing that film? It will be advertised for a week and then yeah, I don't be cut know off there. if if the value is there anymore in a film three, four, five, six weeks out. And I think this year we're really going to see a big challenge with um, these windowing issues, even though they've sort of kind of gone away with the sale of Fox to Disney. Um, I, I still think that there's going to be a challenge there because after 30 days, is there any value? I don't think consumers want to see a film or in the theater after that point. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case, if your if your value in your film is only at to the 30 day mark, what is going on with these print policies where they don't allow people to come in on the break when the film opens, why are they shutting theaters out and expecting them to play three and four weeks later when there's no there's nothing to it. And I think, so there's got to be something to change. I think if the windowing changes, studio policies have to change on that. Because there's no market for them that far down the road. I always find it so funny that studios know how to lift embargoes at like the right time for some movies. Like they yeah. know if a movie's bad, just release like critic reviews like right when it's opening or if it's really good, like let's get, get it a week in advance. But when it comes to windowing, they don't know how to differentiate between their products and they just make things more complicated. Yeah. And I, I don't know enough about what goes in on the other side of the industry with, from the creative production side to know what they, you know, what they have into it with a distributor. Mm -hmm. So maybe they have a certain release amount a schedule like the distributor gets to distribute for a certain amount of time or for a certain uh, price per screen average or something there's something there that is kind of dictating some of this policy there has to be because it really does not make sense especially with the proliferation of digital and now and now streaming and satellite distribution there's no there's the cost factor isn't there to create more hard drives and allow more theaters to come in right so if it's not cost prohibited, then there's something else keeping it out. And I've, I've noticed that we've struggled with getting um, recent films um, and then the films in the next couple of weeks into theaters at all. Like it, they're just not going to the little guys. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really not fair. And that's not helping our industry at all. If you can't see it all when it first comes out in theaters, does that idea of it's 
in theaters exist beyond a couple more weeks? Or is that like, is that dying? Is that concept dying? And I kind of think it is. Because even I wanted to see Frozen and Star Wars at home 30 days after it had been out. You're, you're over it. As a consumer, I was already over it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's still money to be made, but we're seeing that window shrink and that interest shrink where dollar houses were a thing that every town had to go see a movie a month later. And now, like you said, you're chomping at the bit to get it on your phone 30 days later. Yeah, yeah. I and I don't it. care that it's a dollar. I don't want to go to the theater sometimes that far down the road. I just, I don't, I don't know how many consumers are either. I think we've definitely seen a transition of those subrun houses going to first run because the interest in the film is only there for a few weeks and and it's just not there a month later absolutely it's uh more of this uh transitioning and figuring out how things work whether we go yeah. to uh dollar theaters or micro theaters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is apparently my phone now i didn't yeah. even know it had a calculator on it but it's a micro theater as well <laughs> Um, and then the, kind of the final wrap up to maybe some things that we need to watch in the industry that are kind of worrisome are, is the Justice Department inserting itself into um, changing the industry through not updating the Paramount decrees. And the Paramount decrees um, have been around for like 80 years, showing, you know, and they prohibit studios from owning theaters, They but they also prohibit a lot of other things like block booking and um, clearance is some clearance issues and stuff. And I think that kind of doing away with that, I don't know if that's good for theaters. I don't think that that's good for consumers. And I don't think just because studios also are streamers means that you should throw out the whole decree. I I, I'm really leery of why this, um, this administration and this justice department needs to insert itself in something that's been working for 80 years. Like there's really no reason why we, we need to change it. Cause there were legitimate reasons why these laws came into effect other than the fact that, um, studios owned the theaters and they needed to break up that monopoly. Are they changing it? So that way they can give the streamers more of a quote unquote fighting chance. But wouldn't that also cause issues for I, streaming services to possibly like own their own theater? Maybe. Well, they can do that now, though. It was only over the pro- the production side that couldn't own own theaters and exclusively book their content into them and only their content into them. So, mm. I don't, and I don't know if if even if you lifted them, the studios would want to get into the business because it's expensive. I mean, it it's not just being able to put your product directly to consumers in a in a venue you own but it's it's real estate it's buying these places it's maintaining them i think what has evolved by having that be another party and another company specializing in that is has worked out better for the consumer because because there's no incentive for the theater to make it nice if that's the only place to see the films yeah so i don't know where their justification is forever overruling it just just because technology has changed mm-hmm. at this it, point. Yeah, it feels like one of these times when uh, the Penguin has a plan and Batman doesn't quite get it yet, yeah. <laughs> where you know something's happening. You like see the water supply getting shut off, but you're not sure exactly why. Yeah. You know there's something going on and you know some some 
group is going to benefit greatly from it. You're just yeah. not sure exactly what it is yet. And you don't, yeah, and I really don't think that it's the theaters and the independents that will benefit from this at all. Or the small film companies or... No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of lo- little guys out there that I don't think this is a good thing. They're probably if not it, thinking about them then. If it was a good thing for everybody, it would have been addressed already. I mean, it would have been a popular thing to bring up, but... yeah. But since it hasn't been, and it since there has been no groundswell movement to address these issues, yeah, you definitely wonder why all of a sudden the Justice Department needs to insert themselves into this. So it's kind of in limbo for right now. Nothing's been done yet. Nothing's it's just been, been an idea. It's just being been, thrown out. Yeah. Okay. But it looks to be that it they're gonna probably be overturned or not renewed, and mm-hmm. and it will make a big change. So, I don't know. But do you think that'll happen this year or down the road? Or maybe it won't happen at all? Well, I think it could be this year, but I think a lot of it depends upon the election. And if we get a new administration with a new direction or if we don't, you know. So, So that one's definitely something to watch. If it's an outgoing thing of this administration, maybe like one last like change before they leave. Or maybe they... If they stay in power, then this is, will be a feature of the next, you know, the next few years. So it, surprisingly how kind of teetering on what happens with that. Okay. Politics. You got it here first. Yeah. <laughs> That's super, what we are. We're a political va- show. <laughs> super vague. <laughs> political commentary. <laughs> Have to teeter-totter on it just right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the thing is, you don't know enough, and no one knows enough right now to yeah. know how. Yeah, again, it'll... it's in limbo. Yeah, pretty much. But it doesn't feel like it's going to be a good thing. So, well, that's not <laughs> good sounding at no. all. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of wraps up on that somber note. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Sorry. Um, should we talk about what's being released? I think we kind of mentioned it briefly we did. earlier. We did. Brahms the Boy and Call of the Wild. Gotcha. And Sonic will be the one Sonic. that takes over then. Yeah. Probably win this win this weekend. If it's not number one, if Sonic's not number one, then we'll have Call of the Wild 2 to look forward to next spring. <laughs> Get ready for if that sequel. Harrison Ford's still alive. If They'll Harrison... digitally animate him too. Well, they They're will. not going to slow him down. That's true. You can do that. <laughs> fake Harrison Ford, fake dog. <laughs> Might as well just go the extra mile then. Yeah. Filmed on a soundstage in Southern California. <laughs> what was filmed? It's just all in a computer. <laughs> all right. Well, Does Ken want to see me do my bad outro yeah. or did you have something extra I to say? Just ask Ken what you're looking forward to by joining the Off the Break podcast team. Um, mostly making the office more awkward when I say something I shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> or um, uh, getting getting in on this. I uh, walk by the office and hear the fun giggles on Friday, so I'm excited <laughs> to get in inside the joke, inside the brain of the uh, the podcast that I love listening to so much. You're yeah. like, I want to giggle. <laughs> I want to have fun. I Friday giggles. We're <laughs> <laughs> <are> so playful. <laughs> Playful is not the right word. Oh, yeah, we decided that playful is not the right Mm-mm. not the right branding word to use. <laughs> we learned a lot about branding recently. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Politics. Politics. <laughs> that's that's the word. That's the brand. Yeah. That'll automatically eliminate fifty percent of you from listening to this podcast. <laughs> just, just the word politics. They're politics. like, nope, <laughs> nope. All right. Uh-huh. Now I am also very excited to hear Kyle's giant super amazing 
big outro. Yeah. It's the first time live in person. So I'm very excited. <gasps> I have all this pressure okay, on me. Should we? Uh, and I already butcher so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you everyone for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Our and 100th for episode. Our 100th episode. And welcome, Ken, of course. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. 100. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at the pinnacle. Coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be having plenty more episodes on all podcast platforms as well as at Silver Screen Insider. And be sure to check out that uh, service that we have where theater owners can be able to unlock all the marketing possibilities for their upcoming releases. Yep. Check it out. Thank you for listening to my first and last episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you we'll drag you in. <laughs>